Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another Shop Talk Show. It's once again me, Jason, from Shield Bash Podcast, uh, on another topic today. Uh, and we are joined once again by Omar. Hello, hi, my name is Omar B., and I am the CEO, owner, and resident tail weaver of A Tale of D20s. We are a TTRPG podcast. Now on, not only are we on a streaming service of your favorites such as Spotify and YouTube, but now we're on Twitch doing live streams. And our newest show is uh, Origin, a Galactic Odyssey, which is a Starfinder actual play campaign, which could be found on Tuesdays at... 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Twitch at you can find it twitch.tv slash a tale of d20s. Listeners, link to their website will be in the show description. And for those of you who listen to this and think, ah, man, Omar, Omar, that sounds familiar. Uh, you may remember him from several episodes ago when we did a uh, our episode on music. Uh, it was, Omar was very enthusiastic and passionate about the music and brought up a lot of really amazing points. Uh, and today he has chosen villains, yes. which is one of those topics where when you mentioned it, I was like, how is this not on my list of potential topics? Like, <laughs> this is A, a fantastic topic, B, one of those integrated things. Now, you mentioned you're playing Starfinder now, right? Yes. Uh, and I, our listeners will know, I largely play Pathfinder 1st Edition. And I love Paizo stuff, but one of the things they don't do well is their big bad evil guy. <laughs> uh, especially in first edition. And I, I don't know if it's the same in Starfinder, you'll have to tell me. Uh, but I you know, right now I'm running Kingmaker and Shattered Star. And the BBEG for both of those isn't like especially in Kingmaker, the name doesn't even pop up till book five of six. So it's like it this is like a five-year run campaign, and you don't even know who your end boss is until book five. Like that doesn't doesn't really plant the seed that you want, you know? Yeah, Starfinder. Um, so I've read into Starfinder. I love the lore of Starfinder, and I can see how it grew from Pathfinder. But for even with my Dungeons and Dragons campaign, like Descent into the Void. On the site, um, you'll see that I just take what exists and just come up with something new. Because exactly you said, I find that um, sometimes the, the big bad or what whoever your antagonist is doesn't really get introduced the way that I would like to do it. That's why I mostly homebrew it. But in terms of the things I have read, Starfinder does a pretty good job. I, I really like how they structured the world. Paizo does for this. They do a really good job making it transition from that fantasy that was pathfinder to the sci-fi that is uh, starfinder and it puts you directly it, like the immersion is great I, i've played uh, a fair amount at conventions and i i do enjoy my my experience with starfinder and you know it the thing i not to make this a thing about starfinder but <laughs> one of the things i really enjoy is that it's a different level of of tropes that you can kind of experience you know mm -hmm. um like being able to like run things over in a galactic dune buggy it's just <laughs> it's a, not a feeling you get in your typical fantasy game exactly so. like being the hack stuff like they're like now nah, computers actually exist you don't have to like uh, us being from the time period that we're in in real life we know computers and all this exists but you got to pretend that it doesn't in in like a fantasy aspect but all our minds are still stuck in that whole science or technology oriented so it's, it could be difficult now with starfinder you can literally just jump into it like can i go on the internet yes the internet exists you can search yeah. it <laughs> and yeah. things like that yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. i remember one of the times at a convention uh we managed to quote all of the stars star wars star trek starship troopers and um uh, stardust all in like 30 seconds <laughs> uh, that's a point like at the beginning well, we premiere on tuesday the 19th of july 2022 and i basically my intro i'm saying any any sci-fi pop cultural reference that you could think of will be thrown in here some way or some joke <laughs> we're gonna pay homage to that whole thing like we even have like an alien scene at the beginning no spoilers but you'll <laughs> 
my favorite was one uh, session we had one. It was largely a ripoff of Dukes of Hazard <laughs> in our Starfinder game, and it made sense at the time. But that is a story for another time. So you are doing your homebrew thing, right, mm-hmm. in Starfinder. Like, what is one of the things that's really important to you about your villains? Like, what's one thing that you're like, okay, I need to make sure that this is a thing for every villain I have? Right. So there's like three ways. Well, there's multiple ways, but three ways that I like to look at building a villain. You either A, have your villain who's um, your... I have a goal, a legitimate goal, and I think that the world or whatever, what have you, would be better if this goal is uh, acted upon and successful. So they justify it in their own way, and it may be evil, but they go with the ends justify the means. Then you have the villains who are um, kind of like the anti-hero. They bother, like they think this is the right thing to do. They they don't want to hurt people, but in the end, their actions are evil. And you have the ones that are just like want to see the world burn. They just do it for chaotic reasons. My, I think what builds a good story with the villain is the uh, first choice. The former with is the villain believe what they're doing it, it like they it may be evil people may die i call this the thanos effect it's like they have a righteous goal but and but they know that sacrifices will be made and it is what it is um and they can justify this you can actually feel a sense of kind of a connection this like empathy towards the villain because they want to like thanos from uh, spoiler alert thanos and avengers wanted to have the population of the universe so because because everything was being overrun that's a noble gesture but they are also killing half the people billions of people trillions of people so that's why it's evil and those type of villains are the ones are Although you connect to. So my main thing with making a villain is I want the the listeners, the viewers uh, to connect the villain. Be like, oh, that's really bad. But I mean, I can see where they're coming from. Can't they think of a better way? And it's like, if as long as you like a villain must be able to explain why they're doing this and make it unbreakable. Like, I'm doing this this way. Like, why could you do it this way? Well, this is the reason why. You don't want to make it be like, I never thought of that. That kind of kills the villain. A villain is smart enough, like, at least a big bad, is smart enough where they saw what they what they need, see what they need to do and then can enact it. And they build up all these different excuses and reasons behind it, but you can't just simply break it. Maybe yeah. eventually you can convince them, but at the beginning, it's more so like I'm doing this for this reason, and there's nothing you can explain away to make this make make me see otherwise. Yeah, you need to make them so you understand, even if you don't agree. Right. And I I will admit there are times where like when I'm running games and people are like, well, let me just sit down and try to convince you that this is the wrong thing to do. And, you know, it's like for a henchman, that kind of makes sense. Um, but when he's got his sword drawn, and he's about to stab you and he's been working on this for 20 years and sacrificed everything. You, you don't have time for this. Yeah, exactly. For me, one of the big things that I, I have um, is like, I, I just, try to work to get my my enemies especially the bbeg uh, a presence in the game you know like because mm-hmm. like i said for pathfinder they, they just don't so like i started inserting henchmen that weren't supposed to be there or like taking enemies that were there and like getting them like patches that are like uniform patches so it's like it starts becoming this theme so they're they're running the whole time even if you don't know anything about the villain you know that like okay there is there's a name there it's kind of like having like the kingpin you may not realize who the kingpin is if you haven't watched anything marvel in the past 30 years Uh, but you know you hear that name and you're dealing with the kingpin's thugs so you know like at the end of the day that's at the top of the ladder that's where you're going Exactly. Like having your villain present is so important because you want to build up the anticipation. Like it's I do. There's two things I like. Either A, you bring the, the, the you make the villain present at the very beginning. Like this is the bad guy. Of course, your your heroes are going to be trounced at the beginning. The whole point is their goal, but they can see an example or you can just 
have a bunch of foreshadowing, which is like so perfect. I love foreshadowing things where little clues are here and there, and they start to figure out who it is, and then they start to, and then eventually they build up this image in your mind. And the trick is, can you live up to their what they have in their mind? Because they're gonna be. You want them to think that this is the scariest thing ever, and then you want to actually deliver that, make it so that their fears actually come true. Yeah. And that way, at the end, if they win, if they win, they feel triumphant. And sometimes you ask them, it's like, so what are you expecting out of this person? And then you take notes from their answers, and you're like, oh, that's a good idea. One hundred percent. So another key to writing a good villain or being a good DM at his homebrew is to listen to your players. They will give you the best idea. Like, I hope they don't do... I hope this guy doesn't come around and try to steal our items during or this or whatever you, they fear. You'll be like, you know what? That's a good idea. I'm yeah. going to do this. Or I hope she doesn't kidnap this person. And I'm like, yeah, they would. All right. You don't want that? That's exactly what they're yeah. going to do. Let the players write the campaign themselves through their own paranoid uh, delusions. Exactly, exactly. Because as much as I love putting on a podcast with the viewers and I'm listening, I make I say to my players first moment, this is your game. You're playing it. I make this for you. So what I think that they will most enjoy, I will put in there. So when I see them scared, like, oh no, is this person going to kill our parents because that's what they seem to be doing? And I'm like, you know what? I wasn't thinking about that, but yeah, we'll have them go after your parents for some reason. <laughs> well, they don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, and one of the things I've learned over the years, too, is like, and I'm still not very good at this, but when you get those things from the players, you don't tell the players, you know, you just, you just let it happen. Mm -hmm. And you don't, you like, there, there's a level of mystery, right? That if you show the players too much going on behind the screen, it's not as fun for them. That's been my experience. Like, they... They see too much, and they're just, like it kind of spoils the mystery of the game, right? But uh, with the three types that you mentioned, you pretty much you said you pretty much always use the uh, the one with the legitimate goal as your BBEG, and that that does make the most sense out of those three types because the antihero seems more of like the person that you're dealing with in almost like side quests, you know, like they're running around in the world with. Almost like a competitor, you know? Right, yeah. And then the, the watch the world burn, I think we all think of, you know, we can all easily attach that to just like the Joker from DC Comics, who he doesn't have a goal, you know? It's your hero that's just trouncing things, and they can sometimes be a problem, but they're usually lower-level stuff in fantasy novels, in fantasy stories, I should say, because they don't have the, the planning to bring the world down that world ending threat that's so common in a lot of rpgs exactly and like to so to speak about that because i'm gonna use an example so that term you know that some people want to see the world burn we know that's from the dark knight when alfred said that to bruce and that like that's like an iconic line but truthfully speaking now the joker is very close to that but the reason why i love the joker heath ledger's heath ledger's joker so much is that that's not actually his goal his goal is to prove that people are naturally evil like he has an actual goal and then it's like a very it's, it's a very evil goal you want to prove to everyone especially the hero that everyone is evil and it may not seem like a very it may seem like a very lofty goal but it's still one like it's very simple simplistic goal and that's where the whole psychotic the whole um uh, uh sociopathic uh villain comes into play whereas that you can go with the whole like i just want to blow it up because i like it and that's boring heath ledger's joker the dark knight's joker was that but it had another layer that you didn't see because like he was playing mind games because he loves to bring out the worst in people and that actually is a goal and that's where I love that. So that's like the edge of how far I would want to do a fantasy. It doesn't always work in fantasy. Like that is a two-hour movie plus movie. That's why it works so well. But when you're having a drawn-out role-playing game, it may not seem because the players don't really uh, uh, don't. They're not like they're not Batman. Batman is a trope, and if everyone was like Batman in there, then maybe it will work. But you have all these different characters, with all these different goals. Um, but. I love that, that he's just at the edge of just being complete chaotic, but he does have a single rule, and it's a really evil rule. It's like, I want other people to be evil and live in anarchy. So it is seeing the world burn, but for a reason. And I, I, love, I love that. And something like that would be hard to do in a TTRPG game, 
um, because it really depending on how your players are. So it will be hard to predict. But um, I have experimented, and then if we're not, I haven't released it yet, so I won't do any spoilers. But in my current uh, Descent to the Void, there is a villain deep in the back who just who has a small goal, but lick, it seems like they want to make the world burn. And I, I, I do really think that is a an epic way to have a villain, especially like the biggest bad there, because that means like there's no talking to them, there's no power of friendship. Though that's a really cool way to defeat a villain, like you convince them that their problem's wrong. Because if you can untangle a villain's um, way of thinking, uh, their mentality, and prove to them that what they're doing is actually wrong, they most likely would either give up unless they have like I have no choice. Those villains, it's like no, I understand this is wrong. I understand this is completely evil, and I just want to do it because of this simple reason. And you can't break it, so you have no choice but the heroes but to well kill or defeat the boss. And yeah. that kind of the whole point of a villain, in my opinion, is to bring something out of the heroes, something they don't see within themselves to triumph. Because becoming anyone can just go out there and be self righteous and feel like they're saving the day. But when their test, when their uh, uh, grit is put to the test. It's how they overcome that, how they act. And sometimes, especially players uh, like we all are, we want to just like say, f- like, forget it. Like, nope, nope. I'm just going to go and go back to my farm or, or I'm just going to go just do be murder hobos and start killing people myself and, and stealing money. But those who say, no, this is wrong for this reason, they actually take on the persona of a true hero. I love seeing that. Like seeing that in TTRPG because like it transcends. Then you're not even in the meta. Your mind is not like I'm a person playing a character. You're like I actually honestly feel this is an evil person, and I want to defend these fictional people. And then you're like, all right, so now you're into the game. So that's why I really like those. It's a tricky, tricky thing to do. But to uh, if you can balance your your villain to be completely evil and just have just a small a, a goal that's evil enough where your players will accept it, but a lofty so there's no way you can be like, well, the the uh, thinking you have there or the ideology is wrong. Let me unprove it. It's like, no, you can't unprove it. There's no other choice you have but to defeat them. I would say with some tables, like, because I, I run two different tables, right? With one of the tables, I would say that there is no way I could run that villain that way. They the The party just wouldn't, they wouldn't care enough, you know? Mm-hmm. They just... Would probably just outsword and start stabbing. With one of the others, I think I could, but I mean, you're right. I don't know that I could do it. I'll put it that way. I don't know that I have the skill, the artistry to make that villain that way that is subtle enough, is both evil enough that the party hates him, but subtle enough that they then later find out this other goal, you know? That he's right. like putting them in such difficult situations that they have to make big choices but still comes off as just that I'm just trying to burn the world down. Exactly. And like, so am I off? So this can be room because it's my offline campaign. It's not an actual thing. So I also run another campaign and they are going up against this one bad guy who seems like a maniacal but he's really an underling for the ultimate bit bag who literally wants to see the world burn because they're just flat evil they are the type of party to be like i don't want to risk my life for this but the trick is for that to work is to make things happen to them like on a lowest level like maybe their their hometown that they have something attached to people are starving or there's there's some things that are happening and in and then they figure out that this bad it's all trickle down effect from this big bad and you're like okay so it actually affects me so if the players don't feel like it's affecting them they don't have a goal yes it's great if you're altruistic and a hero who's like oh it's they're about to uh, rule the world or destroy the world like i need to go out there but most people feel like or at least i noticed that i originally thought people would be more like i want to be a hero but most people want to be themselves in a persona they still have a little bit of themselves in the character so they're like i and and not people are more affected by like their everyday around them than global views that's just how the normal human nature so i put in things such as like you walking into the small village and you meet these kids and these people and they're all having happy get them attached to it and then rip it away and then they're like what happened well that big bad that you think was not affecting you well now he's doing this and they're like oh uh, i I, they feel like personally attacked 
by it. But the big bad doesn't know that. Like the like the these your characters, your players are just kind of just normal people who grow into heroes. I love that story versus just them being heroes, chosen yeah. ones, which is fine for that too. Uh, but um, I really go for the whole you're a nobody who rose to the occasion. You're not born a hero. You're 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 um, you become one, and I think that's the trick to doing that. And I've noticed works is that. Yeah, they're everyday things that a normal big bad wouldn't affect. They realize it does. And then as they figure it out, they realize who the big bad is, who's causing their personal thing. And then they're like, well, if I save these, I save these people and so on until like you're ending up saving the world uh, from this big bad. And then they feel that kind of draw in. So the trick to having a villain with players in a TTRPG or campaign is to make it so that they feel like if they don't stop it, their own life would be directly affected in the most possible way. That is good advice because that works for both the groups of people that want to be heroes and the people that just want to be powerful. Right. Yes, exactly. Slightly different. You got to work it in a different way for the other type of group. Um, got to make it so as, you know, people maybe so people don't see them as powerful because of all this stuff going on, but it or constantly be challenging their power. What do you, how would you do that with a, cause I think if I had a group that didn't want to be heroes, they just wanted to be powerful, you know, like they wanted like, Oh, now I can cast eight level spells or now I can stab someone from 30 feet away with a dagger, you know, stuff like that. I think that what I would end up doing is just have like, I don't want to say like an army, but like a known presence and make it very clear that like they're going to be moving against them and that it's like nobody's going to consider you powerful if this other force of whatever size, depending on, you know, your campaign, whether it's an army or just like a, a secret organization wins. Right. I uh, and. The tree, and yeah, exactly. And the trick to that is to make it so, and, I, and you basically said it, whatever their goal is, is being impeded by the big bad. So it would be the DM or the GM's uh, um, responsibility to make it so, oh, we just want to be po- powerful. And so you get powerful maybe by killing bad guys or solving quests well we can't solve quests because of the big bad is doing something that's causing uh like the bandits are have gone so we don't we don't need any more bandits so you're not going to get any stronger or they've been all pulled to one section of the world and they're attacking uh another city and they're like we have no quests for you i'm sorry because this town is already on the run we get all of our exports from there oh whatever what have you and they're like like literally they cannot continue their normal goal until they deal with this and then they're so far into it they have no choice but to complete it and then if if they're successful may and they're powerful already at that point if they're uh you have to actually pick a point in time where they're uh, actions affect the big bad because eventually if you do a little thing here and the big bad's like whatever but if they see a nuisance then the big will be coming after them so they can't live peaceful because they're being hunted so but i don't think you should start off unless they like steal something important and that and they do start off that way they like involve themselves into something and realize what do we get ourselves into now they are a target so they have no choice but to get their goal is to defeat this bad guy and then they'll make they'll make a personal Listeners, one thing I, I want to point out here, uh, you're going to hear Omar and myself saying things like, never, like, you can't do this, never do that, like, this is what will happen, all this other stuff. Keep in mind, you know, we're, we're talking about an improv game. None of this is ever meant to be absolute, and, you know, your table may run completely different than what we're used to. Just keep that in mind when we're saying these things. We And we know that these things are not made to be absolutes, you know. If you want to run a game where you start off stabbing the bbeg in the in the butt and then he spends the rest of the time just hunting you as you run run that campaign like oh yeah yeah subtlety with your villains how often is your villain subtle and how often is your bbeg just like there from the beginning like an obvious smack you in the face sort of presence so it depends on where you're at in the campaign. Uh, and as you said, it changes to depend how you want to run it. Just personally, how what I've seen has worked for me is that the BBEG is almost non-existent at the beginning. 
maybe you put in a little lore here. Maybe make it so that one of their first quests, which has nothing to do with the BBEG that they know of, has like maybe like a little book. If they roll high enough, they'll find it and they'll get a little taste of it. And as they grow in level, that's because as your players get stronger, they start to affect the world around them. So when you're level one, you're not going to, the big bad doesn't care, depending on what level you make your big bad. But mostly your big bad doesn't really care about them. It's like just ragtag group. So it would just be more so like, oh, there are bandits attacking the city. So it's just bandits. Okay, they drop the booklet. Seems like they have a leader and they have some plans to attack other cities. So we go deeper in there and in order to stop this. And then we're like, oh, it's not just a, a, a random bunch of babber, just some type of bandit corporation or whatever, what have you. And there is a leader to this. So and then throughout their journey, they're starting to realize. And then once they take out maybe a base or something that they're on the bat, the bbeg's radar now so that's when you start sending it it's kind of like a classic trope like a almost cliche where it, like like the the heroes will go and do something the, the bad guy will be like just deal with it send send these weak people um and there's a reason why it works though because it's it builds um or you could make it that your bad guy grows with the party whereas they fight the party and this happened kind of with my offline campaign they fought the bbeg or at least their this section of the bbeg at the beginning bbeg was like i've been injured enough dimension door teleported away and they're not high enough to chase the level to chase them and then of course time will pass and just like your players get stronger the bbeg gets stronger so you can play that way but i definitely think it should be subtle at first personally the way i like it where the wonder is there or you like there's like i don't for me personally i don't know if there's a good balance in between is either a your bbeg is there um or subtle and you start to realize what they can do or you make them right there and they're kind of like side by side with the uh heroes the heroes are just missing the bbeg or they are seeing the wake of destruction and their goal is like we need to get them but the more longer they take the stronger it, they will get until eventually they'll clash at like level 5, 10, whatever your campaign's at. And they're on equal footing for like four BBEG versus uh, uh, five, four, three players. The rival approach, pretty much. The Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think both can be good and both can be fun. You know, just kind of mix it up as you go. One of the, I know one of the uh, adventure paths Paizo put out, you, you fight the BBEG and you just die immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the rest of the campaign is you dealing with the consequences of that. So there, there's a lot of ways to do it, I know. Um, I know. The big struggle I've been having with my Kingmaker game is just getting it involved because we're in book four of six, and they know the name of this, uh, the, the BBEG there, which, again, wasn't even supposed to be mentioned for another book. And they've been, you know, kind of learning stuff. And I've been trying to find ways to make it personal without seeming like I'm being vindictive. That's kind of one of the things I'm I'm, I'm struggling with. Because I'm like, I want to make sure the threat is obvious. But at the same time, I don't want it to just like all of a sudden be, you know, oh, I, I've killed a bunch of people in your kingdom. Because it just doesn't seem, may not seem fair, you know. Mm-hmm. Like it just seems more like... um dm fiat more than anything else you know mm-hmm. so uh, but trial and error as all things are for gming exactly like these are i've played so much ttrpg games i've had just villains who are just copies of villains on television which it's i will say nothing wrong with taking something you've seen on tv and adapting into yours i do it all the time it yep. works everyone does it it's like they're called tropes for a reason and they work well um but uh, I feel like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with doing that and going that route and discovering what works for you. I really like, um, like in your case, something that I, I would love, like if, if you don't want to be some, doing something so like mean or vindictive and all that, I like making characters, like the players fall in love. With it. You know your players. You know what they love, what they hate. So you make a character that's important and that they fall in love with and then rip it away from them. Like, make it personal. As long as you make it personal, they'll go, like, 
this is a pretty like cliche joke, but let's just say they befriend a prince or princess of a kingdom, and they're going around and like their goal. So that royalty probably has a goal, but it's not the player's goal until like they're like, I like this person. They gave us free items. They put us up in a home and all that, and they're aiding us on our quest. And then the BBEG or a minion of BBEG comes and kills them, and you realize that, like, maybe a book comes and it was all planned. It would be something that you didn't realize, or maybe even put a little foreshadow here and there that they didn't mention. And then you're like, all right, now it's personal. You've attacked someone who was close to us. We have to go. And unless your players are completely, completely evil people, like, you'll pull out their personal, actual, real heartstrings um, if you play it well enough, where they're like... We're not just going to let them go. Like, this this person was killed. One of our party was killed. We're not just going to let that go. And then I, I love doing that as well. Like, giving them, uh, gallivanting them to giving them a reason to go out and, like, uh, galvanizing them, I mean, to uh, head off and face against this big bad. Okay. Well, if any of my players are currently listening to this, um, stop for, or jump ahead about 30 seconds. Omar, <laughs> thank you so much, man. I just. I just opened up my note sheet and typed in a little note there because as soon as you said that, I knew exactly who to do. I knew exactly <laughs> what to do. I was like, that. That is brilliant advice. Because I know, I know which one it is. That they're going to be like, hmm. Yep. Screw this guy. <laughs> right exactly and like you know who really does that really well like I, I get a lot of my inspiration surprisingly from the mcu because the mcu does villains really well surprisingly rather you don't like about uh you might not like certain things about the heroes a lot of people don't may or may not like how they do the marvel superheroes but they always seem to do villains really good like killmonger thanos they 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 have these goals and then the heroes don't really care and then they and then the, they're like oh we're just gonna kill this person and all of a sudden they're like whoa okay let's bring it back down so this is real actually and like i really love that about the marvel cinematic universe and i think that's something i like to bring into my campaign is like yeah you may not care like like my one group wanted the one who's doing the starfinder we had we've been friends for years and we just completed our level 1 to 20 camp homebrew campaign on D D. And, like, they were like, I just want to do, they literally did bar simulation and was like, we're just going to open up a bar. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so they opened up, they went to different towns, opened up a bar, took them over and started a franchise. But when, like, their main uh, broker, backer, and people who was, like, financing this start, were, were killed and, like, people, they, they went back to their original town and was like, well, then the, you knew there was an army coming eventually. You decided to go off and now the army actually hit and destroyed your first, your first bar, your home. They're just, like, looking at the and they're like, he won't get away with this. <laughs> and I'm I like, don't care about the people, but the establishment. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. They're like, the establishment is gone. I'm like, well, I knew that would get you. Yeah, you don't care about the people, but hey, I destroyed your bar. All your income that's coming in there is gone. So now they're like, revenge. And you know, it's it's the special one too because it's you know it's the number one of the franchise. So it's mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. People go pilgrimage to that sort of thing. Exactly. I was like, yep, all, all you see, no one's coming to your bar because it doesn't exist, and people are just crying because that was the oasis away from this dreary town. And so now they like felt like they had to go. And then they, of course, this person was also sending an army destroying towns, so that was also a secondary thing. But they were more like an anti-hero. I never played the whole campaign with a bunch of anti-heroes. <laughs> um, but they all turned to, begrudgingly turned to heroes in the end, and then obviously they saved the day and saved the world, yeah. and it worked out. Well, hey, whatever it takes. Burning, <laughs> it's a different type of bar fight. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> understanding your players and knowing what how they are will help you build your big bad. I always say build your big bad how you want it. Have them have a good cohesive story and mentality. Like put yourself in your big bad's mind, and then you can understand. So when your players D and D or TTRPG is just all is like sixty percent improv, if not more, where you don't know what the players are going to do. So now you need how is my villain going to react? So if you understand how your villain thinks, you can then react and have banter back and forth uh, with them, and then develop the story accordingly. Like if you're if you're big bad is like vindictive and evil and like wants to wants to like terrorize maybe the villains are doing maybe the heroes are doing something like well, you know what the heroes really like this town i'm gonna show them their place and destroy it and that will be another reason why they will feel uh, uh galvanized to go and attack but it's really like see how the players are and pick 
it, exactly what they the worst thing that would happen to them like you said before listen they'll give you the best ideas like oh i hope they don't do this that's exactly what the big bad is going to do yep. thank you <laughs> do that yep. we um we we have a story from one of our campaigns where we kept doing the exact opposite of what the dm kept expecting us to like he set us up in this situation where the bbeg was actually an organization right and we had we ended up we were part of a thieves guild and we we did a bunch of little things that kind of threw him off track right and then like it came to decision point for the campaign we had to either stay with our thieves guild become were rats try to take over the city or join this religious organization try to purge all the were rats and save quote unquote save the city i.e. put it under tyrannical rule of this religious organization and we decided to just leave he left to go grab some snacks and said you guys talk about your decision and you know let me know when i come back he comes back and we're like we're just gonna get the hell out of dodge (laughs) because we didn't care you know we weren't attached to any of these stuff we didn't have the background for it and that was one of those things where we didn't feel like you said galvanized for it all. We were just like, we we don't know these people. We're just leaving. And he legitimately he just closed his notebook and said, "Come back in two weeks. Like we're we're done for tonight. I have nothing for this." Oh, yeah. So I mean, it was nice that you know he didn't try to force us in or anything like that. But it was also like it shows that importance of you got to have some level of attachment to what's going on for the threat to be real. Mm-hmm, exactly. Making the threat real is the key to making a good, bad, big, bad, like to make it interesting anyway. Like they need to feel the threats real or else what's the point. And I think that advice goes for not just your BBEG, but also like the lowercase mm-hmm. guys, you know, like they, yeah, sometimes you just run into the bandits on the road that hop out of the bushes and try to Robin Hood you and you just, you know, slit their throats and go upon your merry way. A lot of, you know, the, the henchmen, the lieutenants, the sergeants, they should also be working. You know, they should be the ones who are shaking down the, the locals. And that's why you want to stop them because, you know, like they're trying to steal the pocket change from the poor croft farmer. And, you know, these are the people in the town that you care about that are spending the money at your bar or you're just a good person and know these people, whatever it happens to be. So, like, they, from pretty much the whole ladder, it should somehow be a threat to whatever it is your characters care about. Um, Or even, like, a potential threat, you know, like the wandering monster in the area that's just like, well, you know, we can't, you know, we used to herd sheep up there, now we can't go too close to the hills because otherwise the manticore comes down and you know eats the the sheep and the farmers exactly oh yeah like i love using and i'm so glad you brought that up using like the mini bosses if you will the miniature characters as ways to especially if we went back and said like if you are being subtle with your bbeg these are the people who then build the threat and i love and uh, more players know this so well for me i love throwing them into a battle that they're going to lose now they may not die because if you know it's like bad guys don't always kill they kind of just like yeah. reveling they're like now like now you should know don't ever go against me and then they leave away so they feel defeated like a defeat is always well as you say before this could be a yes or no it really depends on how you play but i feel like i love a defeat being necessary so they feel that they're not immortal they're not like we can just go in and win and their pride is hit because then that actually affects the player. So not only am I playing against not again, sorry, I should say against. Not only am I playing the enemy versus the uh the heroes, but I as a DM am looking kind of going beyond and saying, what is uh let's say John Smith? Like I know you are a proud person, and especially because you're playing this character this way as well. What would hurt you the most? Losing and living and like having to live with that defeat. And then that gives you uh if you can get at least one or at least the most charismatic of your group some people always talk more than others and can guide the group those like the leaders Mm -hmm. of the group if you can get them to be 
like, like, like galvanize once again, saying that word. If you can get them to be inspired, then you can get everybody in there because they're like, we cannot sit, take this lying down. And, and that's something else. And then once you, they finally feel like they beat them, they realize that was just a, a low foot shoulder, so a foot soldier. So they may feel uh, they're probably a little hit and they're like, we need to take them out from the beginning. Like you, you are then creating the threat. Like this is just a, we lost this valley to someone mini. We got to get stronger and then take out this big guy um, or big girl. One of the, one of the ways I've seen that done, like uh, I want to kind of steer a little bit more into like some of the vague, vague yet specific mechanics. And I say vague because like non-system specific mechanics of like doing this but one of the things with that is like if you have that that evil whether it's the bbeg or the lieutenant they show up you know surrounded by their henchmen you know and their henchmen are surrounding the the good guys and you know they do the whole like take care of them and that they turn and walk off into the crowd leaving some of the henchmen and the party has to you know they struggle to fight the henchmen and they you know, win or lose. Even if they win, sometimes they're just like, "Wow, we we barely came through that." Like, there's no way we can take the boss. Exactly. Yeah. Now they're scared. Now they're like, "We need to take. A, we need to get stronger and take them out before they come after us, or something like that." Building a, a fire on them to like up their game, up their ante, uh, or maybe figure out new things, like get hints from people. Oh, it looks like you guys were being attacked. Do you see? Do you get a, a, a? Is there a pattern in their attack and things that you go to local authorities? And then now, now they're involved. At that point, they're involved and they're no only they're no longer get out because now they're like, all right, we're in it. Yeah, that's the way the campaign's going. One of the things I, I just I did, um, and I was actually just last night, we sat down to play, and we had ended off with just kind of a you've entered into a new hex, you're exploring, and I handed them all jumbo. Uh, Index cards. That's the word I'm looking for. Jumbo index <laughs> cards with their new character sheets for that night. And they are level one NPC class characters. The enemy they're fighting, I like I just narrated the first four go-throughs of this Groundhog's Day type simulation where they're just living these normal lives, you know, town guard, town librarian, whatever. They're not adventure like they were level eleven. Powerful, legendary heroes, right? Now they're just the sheriff's deputy and the mayor's assistant. And I was just narrating as every night, some, as they meet for drinks in the tavern, somebody kicks down the door and just slaughters them. And then it happens again and again. And then one of them, I finally said, okay, you remember this happening. What do you do? And like they start prepping for it, right? And they just get slaughtered. And then again, and they're, just, they're dead. But each time... They begin to realize, like, okay, we need to be smarter about how we approach this. Because that is one of the things that I I have found for pretty much any table, is if they're not threatened, especially once they hit, like, level 6 or 7, if they don't feel like it's a threat, they will just kick down the door, like, the end of Super Troopers, where they rip off their uniforms and, like, you know, Spursberry police, everybody freeze. They'll just kick down the door and start, you know, just coming in, throwing spells, shooting arrows, stabbing people. But if they feel threatened, they will be the sneakiest, most creative group that you mm-hmm. will ever come across. As they, you know, any, even six people at a convention that have never gamed before in their lives, together, never gamed together in their lives. They're just like, okay, you do this, you do this, okay. And then, you know, they're just like, Tom Clancy splinter cell each operative out of the way as they move through. That's oh yeah, amazing. I love that. Yeah, and of course, if all else fails, if they don't feel like uh, inspired to go and save the world, you could just be like, "Here's a thousand platinum, please save us," yes. <laughs> and that usually gets them going. And what they do, and then you didn't set the you get like level one, you get, say, "We hear the thousand platinum," you're like, "Whoa!" But then it takes them so many levels just to get up to the big bad, where that's probably the appropriate money they would get at the level anyway. <laughs> They're swimming in gold pieces at that point. Yeah, that Scrooge point. McDuck. One of the other things that I, I found a lot with um, evil uh, bosses at pretty much any level, whether it's your your mid boss, your high boss, I don't, I won't take a creative win away from my players, but I also won't let a boss die because of a just a lucky crit. Right? You have a cunning plan. That's one thing. 
But if you happen to roll a crit with a scythe at times four max damage, some ridiculous thing, my my bosses, their hit points until the climax is just enough. <laughs> they have yeah. enough hit points to get the story rolling. Oh, yeah. And so DMs, GMs, I use this all the time. You're like, wow, they rolled a bunch of 20s and brought them down. I was like, well, that 100 HP, that's just minus that to 300. Let's continue the battle. <laughs> and then I was like, I'm getting my big thing out because, like, then you're going to be like, oh, that's all it took. Because, like, you're just, as a DM uh, or GM, like, your roles, you're rolling just like they are. And yes, GM, we have the ability. And I said, use it. No shame in flubbing a role to make it how you want to see it. You are creating the world. You're like, if you feel like your people are about to die and you're like, well, I rolled like six nat 20s in a row, uh, this really wouldn't happen. So you could say it's not the players yes you want them to go and to feel like it's real but you just have so much control like feel free it's there's no shame in changing something or adapting in there or if you come up with an idea one time I was like wouldn't it be cool if this person transformed had a different form and and and, and like i always throw mechanics with the big bad I'm, I'm like you have to make it interesting so i had one big bad where they would glow a different color and that signifies the type of magic that can affect it and they had to kind of realize what it was like okay yeah, psychic damage isn't working and all of a sudden they hit it with fire damage you're like red fire damage oh that works and that's another mechanic and i'm like one time i just threw it on the fly i was like this is too easy let me it's not oh you did so much damage 75 percent of health left now it goes into this mode and like always be on your be a good gm and dm was can be can think on their toes and you should not feel like oh i built this encounter two days ago and it's just it's going to crap no, didn't change it on the fly, improv, yeah. and then it's nothing wrong with that. Your players don't know. Your players yeah. don't know. As long as you don't tell them. Exactly. Don't tell them. Just then they won't know. And they'll be like, wow, that's amazing. And after the end, I'm like, just, yeah, or at some point, sometimes like, did you like that battle? Yeah, I just made it up on the fly. <laughs> and then you can flex a little bit and be like, yeah, I just made all that up. Just like, yeah. that's part of the DM, just making stuff up. No, I will, I will, I do really want to stress this. Like, don't, don't take things away from your players you know like if they think of some creative way to completely disable your boss and like let them have it mm -hmm. you know but like don't let your bbeg be an anti-climax because of hit point damage like that's yeah. just that's not interesting exactly like i love when my players i try to make it so that the players just don't stand there and go fireball fireball or something like that it's like you, there's so many more aspects to uh, uh, Pathfinder, Starfinder, and Dungeon Dragons, Vampire Masquerades, all of those. There's grappling. There's this. So like, what, you you don't want you want to use them all. Like maybe you got the 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 big bad maybe has to be off of the earth because they're earth affinity. So you have to have, someone has to do a little grapple check and make them lift up. So they lift it up and roll really high. And now they're not touch the ground. So yeah, that's great. And I would just be like, yep, you did it. You figure something else cool. And sometimes I'm even like, you don't realize, but now you do double damage because of something like yeah i love it when the players come up with something that disables the boss enables us to lay it on them because they feel like uh, they feel like like they're on top of the world they figure something else out and i that's yeah. the key to making your players you're not the dm like there's a gate there's a there's a board game called the descent which is just literally you versus the players you want to kill them oh ttrpg is not you wanting to kill them you want to you want them to live but you want to make it challenging yes is the you want to threaten them yes exactly you want to just wipe them out and make them feel terrible and and for the the slightly newer gms and for players who may may have a newer gm one of the big things about making up these things on the fly is it has to be a consistent thing right like it can fluctuate by a rule you know like what you the example you gave omar of um you know, like the color of the aura changes and then that's depends on what kind of magic it is like that is a consistency of the the color of the aura dictates the magic mm -hmm. but it's like if there's nothing there where it's just like well he's got dr10 bypassed by adamantium okay well they finally figure that out and they're you know beating with adamantium and now all of a sudden no it's not adamantium it's cold iron and you're just changing it behind the screen again that's not fun for people like you got to have something that makes it so a it's Good, consistent yeah. you know or like you know, we gave some of the examples of like you fought, you fight him way back, and like you know, okay, we need 
living wood weapons to fight this BBEG. And, like, so we've been gathering up the whole campaign. And then we get there and we find out, like, no, he's overcome that resistance. And it's like, well, then what the hell did we invest exactly. all of our time in? Yeah. So, you know, there, there's got to be a level of <laughs> consistency. And the big thing is just remembering to keep it fun for the players. Um, try to keep it interesting. And this is so we are also trying to develop as a group of at our table. We're thinking of doing this thing. We're calling the gauntlet. It's got a, uh, a final battle. And I was like, we need it needs to be more than just hordes of enemies. Like there's got to be something else to do like er, these big climactic fights should feel more than just a bunch of enemies on the field you know right. there's something to figure out something to do something where it's like uh, in this case what we decided was um you know there are basically magical sensors that can be attacked and there are ballista around the field so like you know you can go and be loading the ballista or trying to you know attacking these sensors and other things rather than just hitting bad guys with a sword or a fireball yeah, 100% agree. Because you, like, you, you, yes, eventually your players will use the same three spells or attacks over and over again. And I can understand how that can be boring, but, like, make them utilize their entire kit, for instance. Like, uh, in our, one of our scenes of finales in the void, they fought a lich that was able to split itself into two and literally brought half of the group with it to one, like, alternate plane or set, and then the other group to another one. And they, nice. they were able to figure out how to communicate. So, whereas when they defeated or did enough damage to the one-on-one plane, that's when the other one became vulnerable. And then they had to, like, hold their actions. Like, there's holding your actions. And in all the and D&D uh, uh, and other Paizo games, um, you, you can do... There's so many different apps. There's so many things you can do. Bull rushing, charging. And I love to make sure... I want to be like, if you do this, if you understand understand like all the different mechanics and use it you'll be a better uh experience for you um and whereas if they do the normal thing it will still work but you're like they're like why isn't this working why is this taking so long and then you as a dm you want to make sure you get clues you can't expect everyone to be a genius yes you want to make it difficult to figure out but make sure there's some clues make them roll perception checks um or like sense motive checks so on and so forth so they can understand and then they'll slowly start to piece it together also use the passive perceptions or passive things because their characters would know something and you as a gm would know what their characters would know and the depending on their scores you could be like you innately know this and they're like ah but i like not to be on the nose i'm like oh yeah you need to attack at this time just like you uh get a sense that um during this time all of a sudden the 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 aura around the bad guy fades away um and you can hear your your, your allies fighting in the other room doing the same thing so you start to put some together and then leave it like a little bridge and like wait a second they're like what are you doing they're like oh i just blasted the bad guy and they're like okay that's how you bring it down and then they get to shoot it off so using those mechanics really makes an interesting final boss fight don't use it for every fight then it would just everything would be too complex there there's some times when you want your players to you walk out there and it's like they're fighting like a bunch of bandits and they're just like fireball dead because yes. yeah you're they're that powerful they deserve to feel powerful but you also want them to feel challenged when it's going against like the boss or like the the antagonist and then, like um I like the example of uh tell them what's happening but maybe like let them decide what that means yes you know, like the aura yeah. is weakened but what does that mean well that's for you to figure out mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. or like uh, you could also do a thing um where it's like you got to hit the bad guy with a weapon and then with magic and then a weapon and then like you can't Mm. just you know just like have it alternate in some way you know just find something where they have to think more than just what spell am i going to cast next it's like what is my party doing or even just a simple thing of like somebody has to be standing on this square and this square to be able to even fight thing you know exactly forced locations Mm-hmm. Oh, I love using all those in there. And then when they figure it out, oh, do they feel accomplished? Like that feeling you can see, they're twinkling their eye. They're, and then when they finally beat it, the, the, I, I live for the reaction when they beat a big bat after spending, and like a mat, depending on your battle, like if your entire session could be the battle, so it could be a two hour session, a two hour battle, or usually around like four to like six, seven rounds, which kind of equates to uh, equals like. 
maybe like 45 minutes to an hour of your section like you want them to like feel not exhausted because they can keep playing but feel like mentally taxed after that battle where it ends there's that catharsis there's that ah that size what i live for it's like you felt you felt it you feel accomplished you feel victorious um they like that when they're like i don't want to go into another battle let's rest here and take a rest you're like "Mm, there we go because usually they're just like let's just run in on the next one villains are pretty much the the end all be all of of most games right uh there's traps there's puzzles there's things like that but all of it is always to meet the goal of whoever's making it personal against the party Mm -hmm. so like think about your villains is really what i guess i'm saying here think about who they are what they want and most importantly why they want it and then that kind of informs your your decisions you know you mentioned it earlier like you know, when the party does something unexpected how does your bbeg or any of them any level of bad guy react to it if you don't know who they are and what they want or why they want it you you don't know like your answer is just going to be stab and that's going to get kind of boring keep your keep your party invested by keeping the bad guys active against the party what omar what are your your final closing thoughts what what do you think here about uh, is there anything that you know we haven't said that you're just like man i really wanted to bring up this point or anything like that uh yet yeah, actually so the key to in a ttrpg environment uh, to making a villain is just like how you have your players make a backstory, make this. You have your players try to make an in-depth character. You need to treat that, the treat, uh, treat your villains the same way. Start your villains from scratch. Write out their backstory. Write out their history. Um, now, it doesn't have to be for everyone, but a good like all your named <laughs> named villains, if you will, um, they should have that. So then, whenever something's thrown at you, you have a reason. It's like, why are they acting this way? Well, when they were a child, they the the king, the monarchy killed their parents. That's why they want revenge and that sort of thing. So that way, if something like that happens, like if you're one of your characters, a, a royalty, maybe the villain will be specifically antagonizing them, or or something would happen because of. Uh, a past trauma for the villain because villains uh for the most part have trauma because people aren't born evil in my opinion no one's born evil you become that way due to due to trauma and trauma is this old different subject but pick something that turned like at one point your your villain was neutral and then flipped over to the evil side you know versus the the creatures who are from like the chaotic evil planes but for most for, for the most part when you make a villain they're neutral and they flip to the evil side so what made them flip and make sure it Things that made them flip me, like I said, royalty killed their parents or something like that, happens in your world. So then your players can understand exactly where the bad guy is coming from. So I guess in a nutshell, basically make a character sheet for your villain with an in-depth background and all and stats and all that. So you can feel, so they feel real. Yeah. I would, to tag onto that, one thing I would say is don't be afraid to make small adjustments to it as well. Mm-hmm. Like if you see a point to, like where you can make an adjustment, like you, one of your players is like, yeah, you know, like uh, uh, my family, my parents were killed and I lost my, you know, uh, my my older brother is still out there somewhere, and you, you know, you got this like lieutenant who's like, whose parents were killed and he, you know, lost his sibling, and then you're like, well, what if, huh, what if lost means is out there somewhere? Hey, you just connected to the party. Oh but, yeah. Yeah, don't 100%. be afraid to to go through and make those little. Don't be so attached to your villain that it becomes bigger than the party. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, one hundred percent agree. Well, Omar, I really appreciate you having having you. <sighs> Omar, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, you know the, the talks with you are always go really well. They're uh, they're interesting topics. And they're always something that you have. You obviously have a lot of passion about. Like it, you're, you love doing this, and that's very clear. 
Oh, it's a pleasure, and thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, I, and as you said, I love making villains. I always do. Che- I love cheesy villains because they're the funniest. Uh, really quick, one of my bad guys, his name is Ugadabamai, where if you spell it backwards, is I'm a bad guy. <laughs> so I do stuff like that all the time. The players freak out when they're like, oh my god. Um, or I had Rodiar Industries, which is like trader backwards. And they realize the bad guy, but um, so you can say I, I, so I love talking about villains, and I'm so glad you had me on for this to chat about it because I could literally go on and on and on about it. Well, again, thank you for coming on. Um, I've been doing this long enough. I've started, you know, having some repeats for some of the the better uh, shop talk shows that I've done, and you know, hopefully in a year, circle back around and we can do a third one. Oh yeah, I would love to. I'm always available um, to talk about it, and we can. Pick any other subject. There's a ton of them that I would love to chat about, but I am excited to have another chat with you in the future. All right, and listeners, um, you can find Shield Bash on all your major streaming services and A Tale of D20s on all your major streaming services and now Twitch. You can find a link for their website in the episode description. Thank you for listening. Good night. Good night, everyone. is made in association with Knights of the Octagon and the Farmageddon Gaming Convention. Find us online at shieldbash.net, on Facebook at shieldbash, on Twitter at bashshield, and on YouTube at shieldbash. Bumper music provided by Lee Rosevere. Other artists can be found in the episode description. Leave a comment on iTunes for a chance to hear us read it out on the podcast. Questions and comments can be sent to shieldbashpodcast at gmail.com. Shield Bash Podcast is owned by Shield Bash LLC.